President Trump's Election Integrity Commission scored the first win in the court fight over sensitive voter information the commission wants from states. A D.C. federal judge has rejected a challenge to the collection of the information and a demand that the commission reveal how the data will be safeguarded by the Electronic Privacy Information Center. Her decision will not be the last word. There are lawsuits by other organizations, and the states were not part of this lawsuit. At last count, 26 states have said they'll provide only what is considered public information by state law, while 19 states, both Democratic and Republican, plus D.C., have said they would provide nothing at all. Here's Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota. They've asked for the data of every state in the country, every voter in the country, and that's why you see objections from states, Democratic and Republican Secretary of States, throughout the country. That's why I told them to go jump in the lake. Our guests are David Becker, the founder and executive director of the Center for Election Innovation and Research and former director of the elections program at the Pew Charitable Trust, and Hans von Spakovsky, the manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative at the Heritage Foundation and a member of Trump's Advisory Commission on Election Integrity. David, how did the judge reach her decision, particularly regarding the infringement of privacy rights? Well, I think um, some of the statements made by um, by the commission uh, confirmed that this was just a request that uh, there were some options that um, I think they might have been storing the information in a way that at least the judge seems satisfied uh, might be uh, might sufficiently protect privacy rights. I think there's still some questions out there with regard to that. I, I think that given that it was just a request, given that some of this information was public. What she found at this point was there wasn't enough uh, evidence to uh, grant a temporary restraining order or a preliminary injunction and found that at least at this point the plaintiffs were not likely to um, to win on the merits. I think, you know, one of the things that was was uh, was heavily stressed in her opinion, though, was that this is only a request, that this is not a demand for information. Um, so the positions that the states had taken before this decision and after decision remain the same, which is that... Um, most states aren't going to give information uh, beyond that of uh, what's publicly available. In some cases, they're going to require the commission to actually pay for that information and go through the process, which could cost thousands of dollars. And then there's another question which we'll have to answer um, at some point, which is, is this information going to be any of any use at all to determine anything related to election integrity, which, uh, of course, we, we can discuss. Hans, there's a lot in there, uh, but let me just ask you to start with the practical implications. What, what does this opinion, this decision from Judge Kohler Catelli, uh, give the commission that it, it might not, not have had beforehand? Well, it, it was an obviously, obviously logical decision, because if you look at the letter that was sent out by the commission, uh, they asked for publicly available information. So the idea that somehow there was going to be some huge invasion of privacy is just not true. Uh, all of the states provide this very same information. For example, I mean, if you go to the website of the uh, State Election Board of Virginia, and remember, uh, Terry McAuliffe, the governor, was one of the people that was outraged at this, you'll find that uh, they, they have a couple of pages where they talk about how uh, they provide information, registered voters list, um, voting history to political parties, candidates, uh, nonprofit organizations, members of the public. So all the commission was asking for was the same kind of publicly available information that these states already provide, basically to anyone who walks in the door. 
David, let's talk about some of the information that was requested. Information like social security numbers, information like uh, dates of birth, voter history, um, even for military addresses of military. Are all these things publicly available? Uh, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, Mr. Von Spakovsky is being a little sanguine about the availability of public data in almost every state, name, address, political party affiliation sometimes, um, and voting history is available often, not all the time and not to all the people in the general public. Sometimes it's restricted for use. Um, it is extremely rare for any state. I think of, I've only heard of one possibly making Social Security numbers or even the last four of social available, though that is specifically listed in the letter. And given that there are four sitting secretaries of state on the, on the commission, all of which all four of their states do not release last four of Social Security numbers. So presumably they knew that at the time, even though they said they were asking for publicly available information. It would be very, very odd to ask for Social Security information in addition to that. And I think the, the question about military status is highly um, problematic as well. I, you know, you, you, to give out information, including address, name and address information and other identifying information for every single registered voter who happens to serve in our military, that does, to me, raise security concerns, to put it in one place like that. Um, and it's usually not something that's available publicly to just anyone who, um, who wants it. So most of the information they specifically listed in the letter was not publicly uh, available at the time. We're talking to David Becker, the founder and executive director of the Center for Election Innovation and Research, and Hans von Spakovsky, the manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative at the Heritage Foundation and a member of Trump's Advisory Commission on Election integrity about a D.C. federal judge rejecting a challenge to the Election Integrity Commission's collection of voter information. Hans, I want to give you a chance to respond to David, who said that very few states, perhaps just one, allow, give out Social Security, the last four digits of the Social Security number, and some of the other information that uh, your committee is asking for. Yeah, but if you read the letter, it, it makes – look, there's a long list of information that the commission would like to have because the, the more information it has, uh, the better and more accurate its research is going to be. But at the end of all that, it says only to the extent that information is publicly available. So the idea that, again, that the commission was trying to get some – uh, you know, information that they, they shouldn't have is just wrong. And and as to the information about military voters, well, if anybody had actually watched the first meeting of the commission last week, they would have understood why that was being asked for. It's because if you look at the latest report filed by the U.S. Election Assistance Commission uh, to Congress, which has information on uh, voter registration and turnout across the country in the last election, you'll find that military voters, unfortunately, who are overseas have the highest disenfranchisement rate of any voters, uh, any group of voters. Uh, their ballots are often rejected at a much higher rate, uh, their absentee ballots, than other voters. And so getting information on military voters, uh, how many are registered, uh, how many are voting, is important uh, to the ultimate task of the commission, which is to take a look at the American voting and election system and see what can be done to improve it. 
David, um, Donald Trump has uh, tweeted, among other things, uh, as to the states that don't want to turn over this information. One has to wonder what they're worried about. Why not just turn over the information that is publicly available and then make the case that this doesn't show that voter fraud is a significant problem? Well, as someone who's worked on data projects before, specifically with voter data, and whenever there's personally identifiable information or personal data that's being used, it's incumbent on those who are asking for it to demonstrate that it's absolutely necessary. Because if you put it in one place, it's a lot easier for hackers to get at and to misuse, whereas right now it's in at least 50-plus different places under different security protocols, which makes it a lot more difficult to get. As far as the, um, as far as the public information, I think the question really should be turned around. We've got, a, we've got a commission that's using taxpayer money to investigate a question to which we already know the answer, which is how much voter fraud exists in the United States. And the answer is it exists, but it's extremely rare. Literally, Republican Secretary of State John Houston of Ohio put out a release today in a letter to the commission that says exactly that. The, the secretaries of state, the election officials of both parties, have done a remarkably good job of building checks and balances into the system, preventing it in those rare cases where it happens, discovering it and prosecuting it. And this is why you get um, uh, people like Republican Secretary of State Delbert Hosen from Mississippi, um, who uh, told the commission to go jump in the Gulf. Um, you have to demonstrate the need for private, personal information before you ask for it. And uh, the commission still hasn't done that. They've held a meeting and they still haven't described exactly what they're going to do with this data, how it's going to be used, how it's going to be answered the question. And just as importantly, who are the people who are going to analyze this and what are their qualifications? Hans, let me ask you first about the security issue. We now have this information that's going to go into a database at the White House, and that database is going to be uh, staffed by an employee of the vice president's office and the White House information technology staff. Is there a problem with security? A lot of different, uh, we know of all the different kinds of hacks, and you've even had instances where someone on your committee, I believe it was from Ohio, had uh, some of, by mistake, put out publicly some information on voters. So, I mean, there are, there is a lot of uh, security risk, isn't there? Well, there's security risks at all the different states. There are security risks with all of the members of the public candidates and political parties that these states routinely provide this information for. There are security risks with all of the commercial data companies that they routinely provide this information for. Companies like Catalyst, um, Aristotle, which take this data, reprocess it, and then sell it to uh, political candidates and others to, to run their campaign. Certainly that's a risk. But, but here it's in one this, place. Here it will be in one place. Well, if you go to the uh, website of the commercial data companies, uh, it's all in one place also, and yet I don't believe anyone has raised any concerns about the fact that the states routinely sell this information to these commercial companies. So I, don't, I just don't think that's an issue. Yeah, it's, it's a risk, but the whole point of this is to use this information to take a look at the American uh, political process and try to figure out what kind of vulnerabilities there are that ought to be remedied. It's not just to uh, read the mission of the ex uh, executive order that was read. The idea that it's only supposed to look at voter fraud is simply not true. 
And again, if you actually watch the first meeting, we discussed everything from election integrity to problems with voter registration systems to uh, looking at the equipment that is being used, you know, how far down is it in its, uh, in its expected life? Uh, are the counties going to have the money to buy new equipment to things like um, the disenfranchisement rate of military voters. One of the other questions that was asked in the letter that went out that no one mentions is uh, we asked the states to send us information about any attempts to I'm going to keep, have people to, out of the, keep people out of the poll. We're going to have to leave it at that. Thank you both. That's Han von Spakovsky. He is a manager of the Election Law Reform Initiative at the Heritage Foundation, and David Becker, the founder and executive director of the Center for Election Innovation and Research.